Alright, we'll pick it up from verse number 4. The first three verses he was dealing with the day of the Lord. And I'll, I'll review that just briefly here in a second. But let's pick it up in verse 4. It says, But ye, brethren... Again, you pay attention to the pronouns here as he switches back and forth. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness that the day should overtake you as a thief. Ye are the children of light and children of the, of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep, sleep in the night, and they that be drunken are drunken in the night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with Him. Wherefore, Comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even as, even as also ye do. Let's go ahead and pray. Father in heaven, Lord, I, I pray for your blessing upon the service tonight. Lord, I pray that you'd be glorified and honored. Please control what I say and how I say it. I pray that your word would speak to hearts. Lord, that it would be clear and understood and it would challenge us and help us and strengthen us. And Lord, if there's anyone here that does not truly know Christ as Savior, Lord, I do pray for their salvation. I pray that even this evening, they would repent and place their faith in Jesus Christ. Please work, Lord, I pray and ask all this in Christ's name. Amen. Again, really, since we got down almost into chapter 4, well, into chapter 4 here, Paul began addressing one of the primary reasons for his letter. Um, the church had a couple of different worries. They were concerned and, uh, and were misunderstanding what happened to the believers who had died already in relation to the second coming of Christ. They didn't quite understand how that was going to work. And then on top of it, they had confusion if the rapture had happened already. Did they miss it? Because they were under heavy persecution. Remember the city that we're dealing with? Um, I mean, this is the city Paul got ran out, run out of town right when this work got started. This was a, a capital there, this, a, the capital there of Macedonia. This is going to be a key, a, a key location for reaching Europe. And, and anyhow, as a result of the persecution, there is confusion as to the second coming of the Lord. And Paul reminds them, again, of what he taught them. He did teach them about these things when he was there. Before he got run out of town, he told them that in the first couple of verses when he got into the day of the Lord. And, and think of what he's trying to drive at here. Look at verse 18 of chapter, of chapter 4. He says, Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Look at our last verse of our text. Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even as also ye do. His purpose is here is get them, get them settled. They know this had them uneasy. They were uncertain. There was confusion. And so he wants to use this to encourage them. And it is true when it comes to the things of eschatology, of what the Lord has yet to come, of what's, what's in our future. It does give hope. It does give encouragement to us. And, and Paul is dealing with that. So he knows the importance of them being settled on what is true, what is actually going to happen. And, and that helps settle your spirit. It helps direct your actions, as we're going to see today. And then we can also see, though, but when you're deceived, well, that can lead to a lot of bad decisions. That, that can lead to bad decisions. That, that can lead to destruction. And some of you here uh, even visited, I believe, there was a Baptist church here in Anchorage in the 90s. Who remembers Bruin Park? I think the Wrights attended there for a little bit. Is that, is that uh, yeah, two services. Yeah, just, yeah, they never members. They're just trying to find a church when they got here. But there was a church here. It had a very a nice facility. I believe they're at the, the, they had the building at the corner of Lake Otis and, and O'Malley. 
um, that that was their property right there. And, but when it came to eschatology, they got off base. A few other things they got off base on, too. But that was just one of the issues. But it was because they were off in eschatology that they're not even really, a, they're not a church anymore. Because they believed we were going, we were appointed to wrath, basically. We were going to go into the tribulation, and they believed it, it hit. So they got a compound out in Talkeetna, and they got ready for it. That's 1997, I think that happened, 1998. It's been a long seven years since 1997, hasn't it? So, obviously, when you have truth and you know what's going to happen, you can make correct decisions, and it can give a great deal of peace to your life. Last week, or last time we were here, we looked at the day of the Lord, which was a couple of weeks ago, and all that that entailed. And and Paul dealing with that, how right now we're in the day of Mamma. That day is going to change. And the day of the Lord isn't one particular day. It's, it's, it's really covering more than a thousand years. And it really does begin after that rapture takes place. And the focus coming into all the wrath that hits, the second coming of Christ, all the way through until there's a new heaven and new earth. That time being the day of the Lord. And Paul here is reminding them, no, we're not going to be here for this. That's, that's not about us. We'll get more into that here in just a few minutes. As Paul, in our text, is going to show a contrast between the children of light and the children of the night, and what responsibility that gives us knowing that we are now children of light. He shows us, basically he's reminding us here, I put it in in two ways here, who we belong to, and then how that affects our behavior. We have a responsibility now that we do have truth, now that we are actually, as the Bible calls it, children of light. And it chose that word for a reason. Christ was the one who really started it. We can go back into the Gospels. He used that term. We are children of light. And there's meaning that I'll get more into that once I get out of my introduction here. So Paul's been making contrast throughout chapter 4 and chapter 5 between rapture of the believers, the day of the Lord for the unbelievers, between deliverance and wrath, hope and no hope, day and night, light and dark, awake, asleep, sober and drunk. And he's using that to demonstrate, because remember, basically there's only two types of people on the earth, saved and lost. He's trying to draw a distinction here between saved and lost. His whole point is there should be a contrast. There should be a difference between children of light and children of darkness. We should be different. Think of that simple principle that is truth. And yet we have churches plunging to be more like the world. They want to to act like we're still part of the kingdom of darkness. Come on into our church. We're pretty cool. We still like the kingdom of darkness pretty good here. There should be a contrast. It's not about being cool to reach the world. It's about the gospel. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God and the salvation. It's people who, are, who are, have a love for the Lord and a passion for Him and can effectively present the gospel and have that burden. That's what makes a difference in a life. So he's making a contrast here. The fact is, once we are saved, that changes our purpose in life, it changes our future, and it changes the responsibilities that we have in this life immediately. The very moment you came to Christ. Jared's one of the newest newest converts we have here. Jared, the very moment you put your faith in Christ, that changed your future, that changed your purpose, and that changed your responsibilities here on this earth. It should change you. 
If your salvation never changed you or you have no desire to change and it's just being forced upon you, as we see here, something's horribly wrong. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away, but all things are become new. When I was in the Air Force and I got, uh, my first time overseas was when? I think that was Saudi Arabia was the first time I was overseas. I'm trying to remember. Yeah, I think it had been Saudi Arabia. Um, yeah, that, that was my first time overseas. Um, I, I went to Saudi Arabia actually in 1992 was when I got there. And 1992 was my first time overseas. Um, and then several times during my nine years in was I overseas for different reasons. Whether it was actually in Japan. Um, and uh, to Korea, of course, uh, a few times in Korea, uh, and different locations as well. But, you know, when you went overseas, you had a responsibility as an American military member to represent your country. Your conduct was to be above board. You were in a foreign land that they were leasing to your government for the state of world affairs, and you had a responsibility in your conduct because of who you were. That was not hard for me to understand. It was a piece of cake. Yet we as Christians, we seem to lack an understanding that when we got saved, I'm going to cover this more, we were translated into another kingdom that we represent. And so Paul is dealing with that here. Now that you've been, now you're part of children of light, that changes your responsibilities as now we are in this world, but we're children of light. It should change how we behave. We represent the greatest kingdom and the greatest king there is. We do. That, that's not a fairy tale. That's not far-reached. So let's look at these two things here, just, just two primary points and then one uh, quick uh, uh, concluding point from verses 9, 10, and 11 tonight. We're going to look at, the, the two are this, again, who we belong to, and secondly, what our behavior should be. So who we belong to in our behavior, belonging and behavior. So he starts off laying the foundation by establishing who we belong to, and then he'll tie that into how that should affect our behavior. But who we belong to is verses 4 and 5. He says, but ye, brethren, are not in darkness, that the day should overtake you as a thief. Ye are all the children of light, and the children of day. We are not of the night, nor of darkness. So he starts off here with a contrast. The contrast to what concluded there in verse 3, about how they shall not escape. You know, how when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But ye, we are the ones who do escape. That's not for us. He switches now to those who are of this world, who are lost of darkness, to those who are now of light. We are no longer in darkness, he said. It's not for us. He said, listen, you don't have to worry. You don't have to fret over this. We're children of light. There's two kinds of darkness, spiritually speaking, when it comes to the Bible. I've originally written down like four or five of them, but I could group them in, in two different areas. There's, there is a mental darkness and there's a moral darkness. Both of those affect those who are lost. A mental darkness and a moral darkness. Those uh, uh, lost are in dark in terms of their knowledge. 
They're in dark in terms of behavior. Both. Morally and in knowledge. There's a lack of understanding. We're going to see that as I develop this. We, it's with this we can begin to understand those who are in the darkness still. They respond accordingly because their knowledge is darkened. There's a lack of true understanding. They have an ignorance of God. And that, of course, will always affect behavior. Think of 2 Corinthians chapter 4. The God of this world has blinded them. There's a darkness there. Ephesians, look at Ephesians chapter 4. We're right there. Just turn over a few pages. In Ephesians chapter 4, listen to this in verse 17 and 18. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in vanity of their mind, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. There's, there's a genuine lack of understanding that's not present with those who are lost. This is how... Here, listen, understand, our nation benefited greatly from its Christian foundation. It did not just benefit those who were saved. It benefited towns and cities across our entire nation. Because there was principles in place that were based on an understanding of God. That affected our nation. That has changed. That has completely changed. Now you have much more a secular, humanistic approach to our government and wanting to pull back from God. And now you have those in power and authority who lack understanding. This is how we scratch our heads and wonder how we can live in a culture that actually truly believes. Let your child pick a gender. When it's basic as anything, what gender they were born with, that's what they are. It's not hard. It's really, really simple. But we live in an age where there is a lack of understanding. <clears throat> Don't be surprised when lost people act like lost people because their understanding is darkened. Now, as Christians, the moment we became children of light, we were translated... Flip over If you're in Ephesians, flip over just to Colossians. Just a couple of pages. Colossians chapter 1. This is a great verse. Colossians chapter 1, verse 13. As he, he, he's getting into all that we got because we got saved. All because we became children of light. This is what took place. Really good stuff. He said, Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of His dear Son. We were translated into a new kingdom. God delivered us from the power of darkness. Before salvation, we were in that kingdom. Uh, we had lacked the understanding. We were given to sin, given to the ways of this world. We were given to things such as superstition and sorcery. Uh, I mean, you can see that e even in America. Different superstitions that exist, that people do and follow. Now, I mean, I, saw, I guess I saw uh, it, it different and more in your face when I was in P&G with the different superstitions. I remember even one who was a fairly educated man I witnessed to over and over. He had him in tears. He owned one of the trade stores. We had one of the trade stores owner who did come to Christ. The very day I had left, he met me at the airport and put his faith in Christ. But then the other one, who I was also close with. He was a huge help to us. And his name was George. I remember him talking to him one time. And he was getting into the fact of a particular bush that he had to have growing. Two types. One that would bring money and one that would not. 
purely based on superstition and sorcery. But people would hold to that. I mean, yet we think we're better here in America. No, we're not. We just do it from suits and ties and different ways and different things we do that we think is key to this. Anything that's really apart from faith in God. As Christians, though, we have been translated into a new kingdom. Our salvation, notice saying here, because of our understanding that we can now have, it puts us in a position where we can actually live right. Where we can have godly families. I mean, where there's joy, understanding, purpose. In order to do that, though, we do have to cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light so that we can live right. Too often we live as if we're still lost, but God has given us all that we need to live right, and you'll be held accountable for that. We are no longer in this kingdom of darkness, but we have been moved and transferred into the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ. Being in a kingdom reminds us that we are under authority. We are. We have been bought with a price. And Paul's going to get to that later on in in our text. We have been bought with a price. If we would just accept that, listen, no, no, there is authority there. We're in a kingdom. He gets to decide, not us. So anyhow, back into our text. Let me get back there. Verse number five. He stresses again, we're children of light. Ye are all the children of light and the children of day, and we are not of the night nor of darkness. He says, listen, you're the children of light. There's a difference here. Before salvation, you were in that darkness, the children of wrath, uh, uh, but now you are children of light. We have been delivered from this kingdom of darkness into God's kingdom. Our understanding being open, we now have light. So you have to remember what he's saying here, who you belong to, whose kingdom you're actually in. We belong to the Lord. We are his. We're children of light and our behavior should affect that. Children of light here, this this expression is used at different times throughout the word of God. It's a Hebrew expression. A man or woman would said to be the son of something based on what was the strong influence in their life, or if they had some particular dominant characteristic in their life. All right? Just like in the Old Testament, the, son, the sons of Belial. They acted like the devil. That was the characteristic of their life. Or James and John, they were sons of thunder. They were sons of thunder. That was the dominant characteristic of their life. We are to be, what's to be dominant in our life when people see us is that we are children of light. So what does that look like then? Well, he gets into that now. Now he gets into point number two, what our behavior should be. We're of this new kingdom. We've been translated. We're now children of light. We're no longer children of darkness. That has taken place. So how does that affect us? Verse number six, seven, and eight. Therefore, let us not sleep. We're we're in the light. We're not in darkness. As do others. But let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep, sleep in the night. And they that... Uh, be drunken or drunken in the night, but let us 
or of the day, be sober, putting on, uh, on the breastplate of faith and love, and for an helmet, the hope of salvation. So now he gets into our behavior. How it should affect us, the fact that we're children of light. He said, therefore, let us not sleep. Really, there's, there's three, I put this as three W's right there. We're, we're to wake, we're to watch, and we're to be wise. And he starts off with the fact that we are to be awake. We're, we're not to be sleeping right now. Darkness is obviously a time, a time to go to bed. That's a time for sleeping, but we're of the day. We should be awake. A great verse for this. Look over in Romans chapter 13. Verse 11, Paul telling the church at Rome, and that knowing the time, now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than we believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand, let us therefore cast off works of darkness, and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying, but put you on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. He says, listen, it's time to wake up, to cast off the works of darkness, to start acting like you are children of light, that you have sense about you. You have to wake up. To put aside the things of the former life, to behave properly as in the day. And he groups behavior here in Romans 13 in, in three sections, if you notice. He gives three sections. The first one, he says this, not in rioting and drunkenness. All right? That deals with temperance. That deals with self-control. Each, 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 as he groups two sins together, two, two, and two, they all, deal with, they all deal with a particular area that people tend to struggle with when it comes to the flesh. And he said, listen, as children of light, there should be an element of discipline about our life, an element of control. That we're not just given to the flesh, we're not just given to whatever, to, to, to drunkenness and, and excess. An element of self-control should be about our life. And then he says chambering, which is all kinds of sexual immorality. Wantonness, sensuality. Again, dealing now with impurity. Now, these, are, these, are former, these are of the old kingdom of the darkness that we should strive for a purity about our life. Self-control, purity. And then strife and envying. These two are dealing with relationships that we have with each other. Basically, both of those are the opposite of love, of loving your neighbor. Strife and envy. It's not putting, uh, it's, that's not about putting the, the, the other person before you. These, this is clearly when the flesh is in control, when self is in control. And those are all works of the darkness. So in other words, the whole point of what he's driving at in all this text is this, is that we as Christians, as children of light, there should be a difference. There should be a genuine difference in our conduct. It doesn't mean that we go off and isolate ourselves. Paul never did that. He never had one church do that, ever. But that church looked different immediately. Their life should change. Seriously, think about this. Think of, how, of this incredible movement to make us look more like darkness. So he says we need to wake up. And then next, he gets into, we need to watch. We need to watch. 
Therefore, let us not sleep as do others. Wake, but let us watch. The, the idea here is watching to rightly assess what is taking place. What is going on. Think about that for a second. To rightly assess what is going on. What's taking place. I mean, we're to be children of light of the day. That's who we are. We should not have our heads in the stand. We should be able to think things through in light of truth of what we're seeing take place. Whether it's in our families, whether it's at our workplace, whether it's in our nation in the direction we're heading right now. We should be able to assess it in light of truth. So that means this. So often, not so often, all of us can really have a streak where we like to be lazy. We do. Do you understand that also is, is incredibly common in your thought life? We just like to be lazy. Just amuse me. Put some, let, let, me let's, let me do something on my mind where I don't have to think. Let, 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 me, let me put a show on. Let me do something where I don't have to think. What he's saying here with watching is for your, you have an ability now with understanding you have to assess. Don't put your head in the sand. Don't get intellectually lazy with your life. Watch. Be able to assess. Think things through in light of truth. This will protect you greatly. You need to be alert. And then, wisdom or soberness. He says to watch and be sober. Dealing with our mind. We do need wisdom in our mind. The word means free from influence, from different, whether it's alcohol or whatever. To have clarity of mind. I don't know if you all have seen these clips that have went viral. I showed to Levi. I don't know where Levi's even at right now. Oh, he's probably at the sound booth. He's up there. I mean, I guess I didn't realize it was quite to that degree. Um, it was, uh, it's, they're really easy to find now, whether it's YouTube or wherever. They're, it's everywhere, just in the last two weeks. It's a clip of a guy driving through the city of Philadelphia. Anybody seen that yet? Here, just in the last couple of weeks? He's just, he just posted them. But they're, they're getting millions and millions of hits. It was so sad to watch. I had no idea that it was at that level. He's just going down the streets. The streets is packed. Just packed with people who are just strung out. Standing there, bent over, can't even move. Uh, whether it's the heroin, the meth, I, I, I don't know. But it's just person after person after person in a major city, not off on the side. We're not talking just one or two. When I grew up in Cleveland, you would see that from time to time, but you'd see one here, one there, not person after person after. As he turns the road, there's just more. Just more. Just on the sidewalk, out. I mean, incredible. So incredibly sad to see. Their mind completely wasted. And I told Levi, I said, I said think of this. Think of the, the, the victory the devil has here. These are completely wasted lives. That's their whole life right there. Just to try and get the next needle. Just to try and get that little bit of thrill that grabbed an addiction and now just holds. So that their whole life is standing there on a street or waiting to get the next fix. Completely wasted. We are created in God's 
image. Yet this is what it's come down to. We've got to be sober-minded. Free from the influence. And the word even means more than that here. I need to cover this. Free from the influence of distractions. You might not have trouble with alcohol. You might. You might not have trouble with heroin or meth. You might. But don't think the devil just shuts the door just at those who say, okay, I can't do this. Oh, no. He'll steal that focus and put it on something else. He'll distract you. You are to be sober-minded, focused, priorities in order. This is what I am to do. This is what demonstrates your children of light. Then he goes on in verse 8 with more aspects of our behavior of what God gives us to help us. But let us, who are of the day, be sober. Now here's what that's going to lead to when you're focused. Putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. Now, we also have armor given in Ephesians chapter 6. We dealt with it. It pretty much ties together the same thing here from Romans chapter 13. Ephesians chapter 6, Paul is dealing with spiritual demonic battle in armor. This isn't quite, this is dealing with our life every day as children of light right here. So he, he, he deals with two areas that we need help with. Our heart and our mind. Key areas of our Christian life. Our heart and our mind. We need that breastplate. Here he describes with faith uh, um, and love. And then for our mind, the helmet of the hope of salvation. These are things we need. There's no sword given, again, because this isn't dealing with the the battle that we have with demonic influences. This is defensive armor. Getting up uh, as you wake up and being prepared, being awake and being ready. So he deals with the two key areas for you to be awake and ready, and that is your heart and that is your mind. The breastplate will protect the heart. And think, he, he deals with the two areas that deal directly with the heart, faith and love. These are both towards the Lord, by the way. Our love for God, our faith in Him. Both are critical. Both protect us. You get those out of whack, and you are opening up your heart to distraction. That's all you're doing. The soberness won't be there. The focus won't be there. You have to protect it. How do I protect it? Faith and a love for God. A passion for Him. It's a faith, a trust in God, and a love for Him. It's not just going about, oh man, I've got to go to church. You're missing what it's about. Your heart is completely un- unprotected, and you are open to all kinds of distractions to come in and steal that. Guard your heart, for out of it are the issues of life. faith, that trust and depending upon God. So that's starting your day knowing I need Him. It's getting into His Word. It's getting on your knees in prayer. Trust. And having some joy because of the love you have for Him. I'm in a new kingdom. That's really exciting. I mean, think about it. Because, again, too often 
I've mentioned it several times. We can live as practical atheists. God can be so abstract in our life. We don't realize how incredible it is to be who we are. And, And we get drudged down with the things of the world. And Paul's reminding him, no, think of your future. Think of what's going on here. You're children of light. You're not of the darkness. You have understanding. Wake up. Be sober-minded. Watch. Have a faith in God and a love for God. A love leads to that delight. Or it's a joy to follow Him. It's not a burden. I mean, think when you, when, when you first met your spouse, if you're married, and the first time you saw him, you're getting ready to know, that, getting, getting more acquainted. Were you like, oh man, i got to go over to her house again? You weren't like that. There was a passion about it. Do you think, do you think that relationship would last according if that was your attitude? Oh man, i got to go over there. I don't want to. I mean, i got to write another letter. No. You wanted to. And you wanted to read every word of the... We didn't have texting when I was a teenager. We wrote letters. And you want to read every single word. Do you understand? That love you have for the Lord protects you. It helps you stay focused on Him. It protects your heart. You say, well, if I don't have it. All right, well... It starts with admitting it. And then come for, Lord, and, and I, I've, it's been several years probably, but I, I would pray this all the time. Lord, give me a love for you. Give me a love for your word. Give me the want to want to read. Give me the want to want to pray. I never wanted it to be about the duty. Now, don't get me wrong. If it comes in where I don't feel like it, duty has to take over. But nowhere in the Word of God, matter of fact, I can show you verses where the Lord says, that's not how I want you to serve me. He wants it out of love. I mean, how could you expect God to want it just out of duty? We're created in His image. He is love. He wants it because that's your desire. Be careful what steals your desire. Then he gets into the helmet of the hope of salvation. This deals with our mind. Free from worry and fretting and anxiety. It deals, don't you like how I put it, the hope right there. Hope of salvation. Hope's a powerful emotion. I, I have probably two or three sermons just on hope. It's a powerful emotion. Hope is something that begins to keep under control, if not completely remove worry and improper fear. He's reminding them what your future is. Paul did this. Paul, when Paul was going through the trials and struggles he had in life, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, he says, it's but a light affliction. When you read his list, it's not a light affliction. It's a horrible life. (laughs) It is. But he calls it a light affliction. Why? Because he goes on to elaborate. I I focus on the eternal, not on the temporal. 
the hope of his salvation. We are here for a short time. Your life is as a vapor, peereth around, vanisheth away. It's gone. That's a reality. Don't get so bogged down now. Man, put on that helmet of salvation of what you have coming, the hope of that. Of what is coming. Unsafe people without hope. That's why, that's why we have verses in the Bible like they eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. There's no hope of that. There's no hope of a future. We have that. And that's what he goes on to from there. In concluding, he says this, For God hath not appointed us to wrath. He said, listen, understand what you have coming here. You have hope. Those in, those in, in, in darkness do not. For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that we, whether wake or sleep, we should live together with Him. Now, that wake or sleep is different than what he was drawing out before. He's talking about whether, you're, whether as a Christian, you die or still have life. You're with Christ. And he finishes with these words of this comfort. Reminds him of what he's been telling him. You're not going into the wrath. That's what he's been driving out here since going, as, as he gets in the middle of chapter 4, uh, verse 13. You're, you're not going under this wrath. You're going to be with Christ. That's what's going to take place. Because Christ died for us, we are not appointed to wrath. You want to know why? What did He do on the cross? He took wrath for us. He took the judgment of God in our place. When He became sin for us, and the Father judged Him for sin. And we will be with Him for an eternity. So Christian, remember this. Let me conclude with this. We're children of light. There should be a difference in our life. It should be more and more obvious as this nation is becoming more and more secular. It's true, you, go, you, you can go back to a time frame in the United States of America where many of the lost acted like saved because it was culture. It was benefiting from the Christian culture. So even those lost acted like saved. We no longer have that culture. So the confusion is coming in with churches. Oh, well, let's start still looking like the world. Oh, no, 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 no. No. When you get saved, it creates a new culture. A heavenly one. A heavenly one. Your life should be different. With heads bowed and eyes closed. Let me ask this really quick right now. If you're here right now and say, Pastor McGovern, I am not certain that I have genuinely been converted. You don't know what would happen to you if you were to die right now and your soul leaves your body. Because the moment you die, that soul's gone. Where is it going? Is it going to heaven or is it going to hell? If you're here right now and say, Pastor, I don't know where I'm going. I'm not sure if I'm going to heaven. I'm not sure if I'm going to hell. I don't know. Or I'm concerned I am going to hell. I, either of those. Say, Pastor, please pray for me. Just put your hand up where I can see it if you're in either of those categories. Just slip your hand up. Let me see it. Acknowledge it. You can put it down. Anybody. If you put your hand up, I missed it. I would need you to do it again. Just a couple of small children is all I see. Anybody. All right. 
Christian, we are children of the day. We are to cast off that former life. To be awake. To watch. To be able to, to assess what's going on. To be sober-minded. At the same time, putting on those things that protect us. Our faith in God, our love for Him. And remembering our future because we are saved in the hope that we have. If you need to come and pray, you come and pray. Or if you have another need, something else going on, you need to come and pray about, certainly you come and pray. Father in heaven, bless this invitation, Lord. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Let's all stand to our